Thanks for joining us this week for the Church at Starkey Hills podcast. Be sure to visit our website at starkey.church to find all the latest information and upcoming events. Well, amen. So good to see you this morning. Y'all look good. Uh, The psalmist said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I am with him. And I hope you're glad to be in the Lord's house this morning. If you're glad, say amen. Amen. Let's try it again. If you're glad, say amen. Amen. All right. We're all here for the same reason. And uh, that's because we're supposed to be here. As followers of Jesus, we're supposed to be hungry to come together with others. Because here's why. If we think we're going to do this well alone, uh, we are are, uh, confused. We are deceiving ourselves because the enemy looks for us as sheep. And he is the wolf, and he picks us apart when we're alone. So we come together corporately uh, so we can encourage each other. We can find community in doing this thing called the Christian journey together. And so we're in this brand new series called DNA. It's who we are. And uh, if you, when you came in today, you should have received this book. Uh, and, and this kind of generally says what we're talking about last week and the next few weeks. We want you to know who we are as a church. We don't hide from it. There's no secrets here. Uh, We answer any questions, but we want to tell you the answers before you ever ask the question. And so that's what we're covering right now, DNA, it's who we are. And in this book, uh, first of all, let me say thank you to Tanner Walker, who kind of uh, put this thing all together, and to Mike England, who printed it for us. He does all of our printing. It's a great book, And, uh, and we want it to be a tool for you to understand more about the church that you're a part of. And also, if somebody asks you about the church and you don't know the answer, you, 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 it's likely that you'll find the answer in this book. So you can use it to encourage and help your friends if they're looking for a church. And so <clears throat> the series is designed to, keep us, to get us on the same page. We have grown rapidly over the last uh, seven years. And, uh, and, and that's even with COVID. And so as we grow together, it's important that we know each other together. So last week I did this thing. If you were here last week, I told you to find six people, write their names down and pray for them this week. Okay. And, uh, so we're going to do that again. I'm going to give you 60 seconds. I want you to look around and say, Hey, to the new people that you met, your new friends. Okay. And I want you to find three to five other people and just say, Hey, tell them your name. Tell them how long you've been here and remember their names. So let's do that. Let's stand up 60 seconds. Let's see how you do at this. All right, five, four, three, two, one. All right, don't get carried away. Come on back here so we ain't that friendly. All right, now remember those names. Remember them, write them down. Get you, give yourself some cheat notes. Yeah, get on over there, Kendra. What are you running for? No running in church. All right, now write those names down because we want to get to know each other uh, so we can have conversations other than, hey, what's up? How you doing? 
hey, brother, hey, man, hey, what's going on? You know, general, generalities. We do that at Walmart. You know what I'm saying? Uh, we we want to know each other. We want to begin to develop a relationship with each other where we call people by name. And, and so I'll say that. Now, if this is your first time here, or if you've been here but you've never given us your information, we would love to invite you to go to the back of your life guide and tear off this uh, connection card and go by the connection center. It's right out here on the right as you leave and turn it in. And we've got a gift we'd like to give you. We're glad that you're here. And so uh, this new series is called DNA. I told you last week, by definition, generally speaking, this is what DNA is. It's a molecule that encodes the genetic instructions used in the development and functioning of all known living organisms. DNA contains the instructions needed for an organism to develop, survive, and reproduce. And we are, as a church, a living organism, okay? And, we, and that's what it is. Inside of us, there should be a DNA strand that defines who we are. So it not only helps us grow, maintain health, but also reproduce ourselves as Jesus followers. And so that's the purpose of this book and that's the purpose of this series. Uh, This book is also given, so uh, maybe you've been coming for a while, you're not a member of the church because you haven't been able to go to the new members class. This serves as a new members class. If you will come to these, uh, it'll tell you everything you know and you'll have an opportunity opportunity to join at the end of this series. And so that's what we're going to be looking at. Now, we talked about last week our our vision uh, statement and our mission objectives to accomplish our vision statement. And our, our, our mission objectives are simple, knowing, growing, and going. Knowing Jesus intimately, growing together as a community of Jesus followers, and going in our neighborhoods and around the world with the love of Jesus. And it's found in this book. And so we talked about the, our, our theme verse as a church is 1 Corinthians 9, 22. I've become all things to all people so that by all means I might save some. In other words, we want to be engaged not as a, uh, not as a social club, not as a country club, but as an instrument in the hand of God reaching a lost and dying world. That's why we're here. And it's not just for the preacher. We'll talk about it in this, in this series that they're in the scripture, we're all ministers. You are a minister. Look at the person next to you and say, you are a minister. Now tell them, straighten up, fly right. That's right. Because you're a minister, all right? Now, I'm a minister, and you are too. It's called the priesthood of the believers. We've all been invested with the Spirit of God. We've all been given gifts. We all have the fruit of the Spirit within us. We're all under the same commandment and the same commission, which we're going to talk about today, and that is to share Jesus with a lost and dying world. So if you're going to partner with a church, be a member of a church, it's important to know about the church. And before we know about this particular church, I think it's important that we do a little lesson. And so we just know what the church is, where it came from, how it's supposed to operate, how, how it came into being, and how long it will be here. So that's what we're going to talk about a little bit this morning. And so first, I want to say this, that the church at Sturkey Hills in, in, in its organization tries to maintain simplicity uh, so we can maximize ministry and minimize the maintenance that it takes to operate a church. And as the church grows, um, it becomes more maintenance because there's more people. And so we want to keep everything simple, and that's how we've set it up. It's important in doing so that we use as our benchmark 
the infallible, inerrant, eternal word of a living, loving God. It's the Bible. And so that's what we're based on. And I I hope you'll see that we don't just make this stuff up, how we are as a church, how we operate, who we are. It's from the Bible. And the Bible is true. It was true when it was written. It's true today. And a billion, billion years from now, it'll still be true. It's not an old book. It is an eternal book inspired, breathed from an eternal God. And so we're going to begin today by asking this question on the back of your worship guide. I think it's on there. Yeah. What is the church? What is the church? You see, sometimes we get confused and we think the church is a building. In fact, some of you asked your spouse last night, hey, tomorrow, are we going to church? Well, it shouldn't be a question. You ought to just know you're going. Okay, I'm just going to tell you that, okay, because it's a good place to be. So it never should be a question, but we go to church. We invite a friend to church. If you drive down the road, there's a sign that says, the church at Sturkey Hills. But there's, that's, that's confusing sometimes because this is not the church. You are the church. We are the church. If there were no building here, we would still be a church. If you travel overseas, like you can go to Kenya with Keith and Tanya, and and there's a church over there. It's called the Church Under the Tree. There is no building because they don't have buildings like we do. They meet under a tree, one of the sweetest church congregations you'll ever get to be a part of. And so it's not a building. The church is a people group. Now, by definition, in the Greek, the word is ekklesia, ekklesia. Okay, E-K-K-L-E-S-I-A, it means this, the ones who have been called out. That's what the church is. It's a group of people, no matter what what race, what color, what creed, what socioeconomic class they're in, what their education is, does not matter. It is a group of people who have been called out by God and received that calling upon their life. So you can go all over the world and you can find a group of people who've been called out, received the grace gift of Jesus, and you can, two of you can get together and you can have a two-person church. Now we're going to talk about that a little bit in just a few minutes. In fact, we know that the church biblically can have all kinds of, of different personalities. It can have all kinds of dimensions and it can be located just about anywhere. As an example, it can be as large as a group of churches covering a whole province, or it can be as small as a few people meeting in a home. You want scripture for that? Acts chapter 9, verse 31. Then the church, singular throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria, this large province or area, experienced peace and thus was strengthened. Living in the fear of the Lord and the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, the church increased in numbers. So it's a big area. 1 Corinthians 16, 19 says, the church in the province of Asia, the church singular over a whole province of Asia, send greetings to you. And then it says, Aquila and Priscilla greet you warmly in the Lord with the church that meets in their house. So there you go. It can be broad or it can be small. Uh, the, uh, we also know it, it can be like a metropolitan area. In Acts chapter 8, verse 1, it says, Now on that day, a great persecution began against the church in Jerusalem. So it would be like the church of Knoxville, the church of Sturkey Hills. It can be an area-wide church, a metropolitan church. So the, everybody say, ek- Ecclesia. 
Ecclesia is the church and it's called out people, people who have received the grace gift of God. Now, it finds its, its origin, it finds its purpose in the eternal goal of God. It's, it's a God thing. It was planned by God. It was birthed by God. It was purchased by God. And it will be eternally with God. This is a big thing. Church is more than a meeting where we go and hang out with some people we know, sing a song, or in a lot of cases, listen to a song, and hear a preacher preach uh, something from the Bible. It's more than that. It's a God thing. It's a project of God to rescue the world. And so it's a covenant community of people called to Jesus. It's the fulfillment of prophecy rooted in the Old Testament to Israel. It's constructed by Jesus. It was inaugurated and empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. So the church is God's and he can do with it what he wants to. Now I say that to say this, in, just like we just saw, there's large churches and small churches. Um, it's God's church. Jesus said, I will build my church. It's, Jesus said, it's my church. Okay, let's just be, it's not the preacher's church. It's not the deacon's church. It's not your church. It's Jesus's church. And Jesus said this about his church. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So Jesus can do what he wants to with the church. What's that mean? He can grow a massive church. He can grow a church of 25, 30,000, even 100,000 in some cases today here and around the world. He can have a church and grow it to 25. He can do whatever he wants to as he pleases because it is his church. Now, not only is it his church, um, we're also a part, the Bible uses uh, examples or metaphors, we are the body of Christ and we are the bride of Christ. This is how intricately you as an individual are connected to Jesus, the eternal God. You are part of his body on this earth. You are to be his hands and feet on this earth. Not only that, you're to be adorned. You're, you, you are to pursue holiness in your life. You're to live right because you are the bride of Jesus forever. Now, that's really cool. Uh, to be a, a part of the body, it means he, he, the scripture likens the church to your body, to my body. It has different parts. And you are to play a part in the body of Christ. And you may say, well, I'm going to go to church I'm going to profess Christianity, and, and, and likely you are a Christian if you've received the grace gift of Jesus, but I'm not going to serve. No, it doesn't work that way. You can be a Christian and never serve, never apply yourself and become the part of the body Jesus has saved you to be. But listen to me, you will be living a disobedient life before Jesus, okay? He doesn't just save you for your eternal reward, he saved you to deploy you in his kingdom agenda and his kingdom agenda never, ever, ever moves forward apart from the church. So you're a part of something amazing. Isn't that cool to know? Isn't that just cool? I guess I'm excited. Y'all ain't that excited. I'm excited. I do what I do. Not so I can get a check at the end of the month. I like that. But I do what I do because God called me to be a part of his kingdom agenda. And I want to do it until he comes and gets me through the rapture or takes me home through death. And so you should be the same way. He's got a place for you. Tell the person next to you, I don't know why, but he's got a place for you. You, you just tell them. 
Marty, did you tell him? Because if you didn't, I was going to tell him. I don't know why. But he does. He has a place <clears throat> for all of us. Now, we can find, we can read more about this in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12. Now, as we move forward, so <clears throat> the ecclesia are called out ones. We're the bride of Christ. We're the body of Christ. So what do we do? We're to come together for worship, for discipleship, meaning to grow as followers of Jesus, to take communion together, to celebrate when people come to Jesus and they're baptized, to do ministry together, and to share the gospel around the world. That's why we're here. That's, that's what the church, that's the purpose of the church. And, and so God's desire is for the church to be a place where individuals who are born again simply come together to be encouraged, to find common ground, and to do this life together with. Let me just tell you, can I be honest with you? When, when, when you become a pastor, life is not, you know, pie-eating contest and, and daisy-picking, Okay. I got a target on my back. The enemy hates my guts. And I kind of like the fact that he hates me because it reminds me that I'm doing what I should do. Because the one who loves me is greater than the one who hates me. But I want you to know that the church is here so we can encourage each other. Man, when we're down, when we need prayer, when we're in a struggle of life, we are not alone. We're not alone. And so we come together to encourage each other and grow together and move forward together. Now, I want you to know this, that the church really is what is known as a theocracy. A theocracy means we acknowledge one divine being who issues mandates and initiatives to people, um, to, to leaders to disseminate that to the rest of the church. So it's a theocracy. But we don't say that a lot because in our world, there's a lot of confusion about what a theocracy is. People want to tie it to the political world. That's not what we're talking about. But we are talking about a church who believes in one divine being, namely Yahweh, God, who has three parts, three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And we'll talk about that probably next week. And so I'm excited about what God has done in the church. And now that we know what the church is, let's answer another question on the back of your life guide. If that's what the church is, when did the whole thing begin? Now, most of you would have a, stand a pretty good chance of knowing when the church began, but there's some details that make it really just cool. So we're gonna talk about how long this thing called the ecclesia, the church, has been around. So. 2,000 years ago, approximately, Jesus came onto this planet. He lived a perfect life for 30 years as a human being, the incarnation, the flesh of God. And after three years of, of uh, 30 years of, of life, he entered into three years of ministry. And at the culmination, the end of his three years of ministry, he died on a cross. He gave himself and his blood to redeem and purchase the sinful, all of sinful humanity. Okay, that's the, that's the story. It's amazing. But then they took his dead body, they put it in a grave, and on the third day, his body was resurrected from the dead. He rose from the dead. No debate. History says it. 
No debate. You cannot deny that Jesus lived, Jesus was crucified, Jesus was dead, Jesus was buried, and on the third day, Jesus rose from the dead. Way more information, way more information about Jesus being raised from the dead than any historic figure ever. Any of them, by far, so it happened. Now, Jesus rises from the dead, and so he's going to prove that he is alive from the dead. So over the next 40 days, he reveals himself to groups of people. He starts by revealing himself first to the women who came to, to anoint his body at the tomb. From there, he revealed himself to his disciples many, many times over a period of 40 days. And then we find out in 1 Corinthians 15, 6, he shows up and revealed himself to 500 people at one time. Jesus is alive. Now, he did this for 40 days, and then something different happened. On the 40th day, Jesus ascended to heaven. He had a glorified body. He's resurrected. He could walk through walls, yet he could eat. He could fly, and that's what he did. He ascended back to heaven from where he came from on the 40th day after his resurrection. Now, his disciples are confused. They're disenchanted. They're struggling, wondering what this means. Now, Jesus had given them instructions. He said, listen, just go to the world and tell them about this. I'm going to be with you to the end of the earth. And shoop, he went to heaven, left them hanging, right? Now, 10 days They're wandering around. They're meeting together. Now, the Jewish people had a holiday called Pentecost. It was a a festival, a harvest festival. And, And so they would celebrate God's harvest in their life. And so the Jews, these disciples are saying, okay, we're gonna celebrate the Jewish festival called Pentecost. Pentecost in the first word is penta. What is penta? Five. Okay, so 10 days later, on the 50th day, Penta 5, on the 50th day following Jesus' resurrection, they're going to celebrate Pentecost. And all of these Jewish people showed up in Jerusalem for Pentecost. And the disciples, about 120 of them, were meeting together, getting ready for what they thought was the regular old Jewish Pentecost festival. But this one was different. You see, on this particular Pentecost, the first one, 50 days following the ascension of Jesus, 50 days following the resurrection of Jesus, 10 days following the ascension of Jesus, the third part of the triune God shows up on those 120 people. The Holy Spirit showed up, listen to me, and the church was birthed. So I want you to know this. I didn't really, I never thought about it this way. Maybe I just didn't know it. The birthday for the church is 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus. You know, I think we ought to start having a birthday party. We have Easter, celebrating the resurrection. We ought to count about 50 days and out of nowhere, bam, just have a birthday party for the church because that's where we came from. Now, what did this look like? It's really cool. Listen to this in Acts chapter 2, I'm going to read about 13 verses. It says, now when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like a violent wind blowing 
came from heaven and filled the entire house where they were sitting. And tongues. Now let me just pause. Sometimes we get this image, there's little nasty tongues dancing around. Okay? That's not what it is. The word in the Greek is glossa. It's languages begin to land on them. They begin to speak languages they didn't originally know. Now we're going to see why in just a minute. It says, it says these tongues or languages, they begin to spread out like a fire and appeared to them and came to rest on each one of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them. Pause. They were speaking in languages, not babbling, not just making noise. They were speaking languages that were foreign to them. Now listen to what he says. Verse 5. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven residing in Jerusalem. This is why they were able to speak foreign languages. They were devout Jews from every nation who had come to Jerusalem for Pentecost. It says, when this sound occurred, a crowd gathered and was in confusion because each one heard them speaking in his own language. This is not tongue. This is language. This is cool. Listen, the Greek word here for language is dialectos. We get our word dialect. It means if I came from East Tennessee, I'm a hick from East Tennessee, and all of a sudden these disciples who normally speak uh, uh, Greek or Hebrew, now they're speaking East Tennessee English. You know, hey, Yuns, let me tell Yuns about Jesus. You know what I'm saying? I mean, whatever that dialect is, they heard it in their own slang, in their own uh, vernacular. Now it says this. It says, completely baffled, they said, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that each one of them hears, each one of us hears them in our own native language, our own accent. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, the residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and the province of Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own languages about the great deeds God has done. All were astounded and greatly confused, saying to each other, what does this mean? That's the birthday of the church. Jesus brought them all together, and Jesus sent his Holy Spirit. You remember Jesus said, I've got to go. If I don't go, the Holy Spirit can't come. So he left, he sent the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit gave them gifts, the ability to speak foreign languages. Why? Because people were there for Pentecost from all around the world, and they were going to hear the message, the gospel of Jesus. It's beautiful how God birthed the church. Now, over the next, that's when it was born. Over the next 50 years, what we know is the canonized scripture, the New Testament, the gospels and the letters and the revelation, what we find out is over the next 50 years, they were all written, which, which in historical language, to, to have a book written about somebody or something within about a 50-year period, it's solid. It's got good credentials, okay? And, and so all of this was written. Now, most of the New Testament is not the Gospels. The Gospels about the life and times of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Acts, 
the actions of the apostles. It's about the church, but then you get into the letters. The letters written to the church at Colossae, that's Colossians. The church written to the, excuse me, the letter written to the church at Thessalonica, that's Thessalonians. The church written to uh, the church of, of Philippi, that's Philippians. You get into Revelation, the seven written to, letter written to the seven churches of Asia Minor. Most of the New Testament is an instruction book for us as Christians and us as Christians coming together and being the church. He didn't just say, go get them and make it up however you want to. He gave us some very good instructions. And here's what's cool about it. 2,000 years later, guess what we operate by? Those same letters written to those churches 2,000 years ago. Kind of cool. Now, don't get me wrong. There's some churches who do not subscribe to those letters, okay? But I want you to know the best of our knowledge, the best of our prayerful ability, we try to operate according to the Scripture, according to the letters written to the early churches. So now we know what the church is. We know when it began. We know that we're part of something bigger. So the next question would be, so how long will this thing called the church be here? It's a great question. And it's an important question to, to, to talk about. The church will maintain its place, its posture, its purpose on this globe for as long as Jesus is in heaven and his bride anxiously awaits on earth. And we don't know when that is. But there's a day coming. In fact, this day is talked about more than his first coming. There's a day coming when God the Father says to Jesus the Son, go get your bride. Go gather the body and bring them home. Now, we call this the rapture. Now, right now, somebody's been listening to somebody, and they're saying, that, word, that word's not even in the Bible. Just go ahead and tell the person next to you, it's not even in the Bible. Yeah, it's not even in there. No, it's not. It's a word that we use, an English word, for a word that is in the Bible called, you ready, harpazo. <laughs> so we chose rapture. I kind of like harpazo. I wish we still used that word. Man, I can't wait for the big harpazo. Okay? So the harpazo in the Greek means this, the great catching away. And, and when you look at the definition of the catching away, it is a violent, abrupt moment in time when Jesus descends from heaven on a cloud, throws the brakes on, and harpazo snatches away his church to go back to heaven. Now, we didn't make this up either. In fact, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, <clears throat> verse 15 says, for we tell you this by the word of the Lord. We know this is happening. This is the word of the Lord. It's not the word of the preacher. It's not the word of some, some, somebody writing his own story. This is from the Lord. That we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will surely not go ahead of those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with the shout of a command, with the voice of the archangel, 
and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be suddenly caught up, that's harpazo, together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage each other with this truth. So you hear me say it all the time, but I, I don't ever want anybody to miss it. When somebody dies, I did a funeral for a dear member here, David Roop, last week. When he died, his spirit went to be with the Lord. Scripture says, absent from the body is present with the Lord. But his body was put in a box and dropped in a hole and covered with dirt. Whether you're cremated, whether you get eaten by a shark, whether you get deposited in a box does not matter. When you die, your spirit either goes to be with the Lord or it's in holding, waiting for judgment, okay? Now, so his spirits, all the spirits of the saints before us, the believers, the ones who, the church, the ones who had been invited and they received his call, they're in heaven when they die. Their spirits and their bodies are somewhere here in decay. Scripture says that there's a day coming when Jesus comes back on a cloud and he raptures, he harpazos, and it says the dead folks, their body gets ripped up out of the grave. God, people say, well, that's why we shouldn't get cremated because we don't have a body. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. God knows where the dust is that made your body. Okay? Body that's been laying in the ground for 6,000 years. Noah's body. It's dust. God's going to put it back together. And it gets raised up from the dead. The Bible says their spirit comes down, reunites with a resurrected, glorified, not a zombie, okay? A resurrected, glorified, perfect body, and they begin to ascend to meet Jesus in the air. And then it says, those of us that remain, we have not died yet, and so we get our glorified body, and our spirit takes off, shoom, and we meet those who have risen from the dead and Jesus on the cloud, and we go back to heaven. That's what scripture teaches. We don't know when that is. And so now we know <clears throat> more about the church, where it, when its birthday is, when it's going to come to an end. But now's where it gets kind of tricky. We are in the land between birthday or arrival and harpazo or departure. That's where you live. That's where we live. It's where the church lives, okay? So we got a job to do. And we don't know how long we have to do it. That's why there should be a sense of urgency. The church has lost its sense of urgency. Christianity often has lost its sense of urgency. And so how should we operate? In this book, you'll find it, I think it's on about page 11 through 14, a few thoughts. One is polity. Polity is kind of the politics of the church, the process of the church. Another word for op the operation of a church would be called government. It's the manner of regulation of the church. Another word that you hear from time to time is the word affiliations. Are we connected to other churches that don't simply meet here? So that's what we're going to talk about now. So I want you to know this. There's four primary keys that help us know how to operate as a biblical church. We don't want to be making this stuff up. 
So there's four keys. Number one is purpose. The church should operate with purpose. So what is the purpose of the church? Are you ready? It's simple. The purpose of the church was given by Jesus to his bride, the church. The first one is called the great commandment. It's found in Mark chapter 12, 28 through 34. The great commandment is this. I'm going to just explain it. You can look it up and read it. The Pharisees begin to question Jesus. They were always trying to tangle him up. Never did it. Never successful. And so they asked Jesus, okay, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus, without stammer, without shudder, he said, oh, the greatest commandment? Oh, here it is. To love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like unto it. Love your neighbor as yourself. He says, you can hang the whole law and the prophets on those two things. So the first purpose of the church is this. Just love God with everything you got. Love him with your heart. Love him with your mind. Love him with your gifts. Love him with your time. Love him with your money. Love him with your hopes, goals, and dreams. Just love God. You know why? He's a lovable God. He is a good God. There is nothing on this planet that God has created and given us that should ever rise above our love and affection for God. Man, he gave you life. He gave you sustenance. He takes care of you. He died on a cross to rescue you, to bring you to heaven forever. He is a lovable God. And when we love that, when we love God that much, all of a sudden we realize he created us all. And you 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 and even you are an image bearer of God. And therefore, we need to love everybody. Now, don't get me wrong. We're supposed to love everybody. <clears throat> There's people in my life that flesh says, you don't want to love that person. And flesh would agree with flesh and say, you're, you know, you're right. I'm glad we're having this conversation. I've been thinking the same thing. But see, the spirit rises up and says, yeah, but Jesus said the purpose, your purpose as part of the church is to love God and love everybody else too. So you know what you do? You love those people that your flesh would rather not love. Now, it don't mean you have to like them. And I'm, I'm, very, I'm very candid about this. There's people in my life, I have to love them. And so I will love them, but it's better if I love them at a distance. It don't mean you have to go up to them, these people that are just wicked and mean to you and say, oh, come on, bring it in, bring it in, just show some love. That's not what he's talking about. It's just in your heart you wish the best for them. And so if somebody in your life is just evil and vile and hateful and ugly and probably lost, love for them looks like your prayer life, including that their heart would change and they would become, they would be restored to their original nature, original nature, which is to be an image bearer of God. That's your prayer. That's how you love them. So that's the first purpose. Secondly, it's called the Great Commission. The second purpose of the church, and listen, we talked about the ecclesia is not the preacher. The ecclesia is not a building. The ecclesia is you. If you've been invited into the family, if you've received the invitation, if you've been born again, if you've had a spiritual awakening, if you are saved, you 
are the church. And so the second purpose of the church, not just to love God, love others, but if you truly love God and you truly love others, it's the Great Commission. It's to share the love you've received with a world out there who is desperately trying to find this kind of love. In Matthew 28, verse 18, says Jesus came up and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded to you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. That's the purpose of the church, the great commandment, the great commission. You got it? If you got it, say, I got it. All right, that's half of you. That's good enough. Next, uh, uh, key number two is organization. The church should operate with biblical organization. In 1 Corinthians, Paul was addressing some organizational issues in the church regarding the speaking, regarding the speaking of tongues, the interpretation, prophesying, uh, which was all given to authenticate, to spread the word, to edify, to uh, console, and to encourage the church. And so Paul's cleaning house. He said, listen, this ought to be organized. Everybody can't stand up and start speaking in tongues and no interpreters. And so that's he was talking to the early church. In 1 Corinthians 14, 1433, it says, God is not characterized by disorder, but by peace. 1 Corinthians 14, 40, a few verses later. It says, do everything in a decent and orderly manner. Everything God created was organized. Six days of creation and everything we know came into being out of nothing at all. The Latin words ex nihilo, out of nothing, everything exists. And it was organized in fashion. The, 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 uh, the ecosystem I mean, who came up with a plan for water to fall from the sky, land in a creek and a river and a lake and make its way to the ocean, turn into salt water, be evaporated, get in the cloud, carry it back up, start all over again? God, who, who told the ocean, stop right here, don't, don't come any further, we're going to put a hotel here so we can lay on the beach, okay? Who does that? No engineer did that. Who, who, who cast all of the stars into the, all of the constellations, all of the galaxies of the universe, and numbers and names them and calls them to shine? God does that. He's organized in what he does. And the church is part of God's greater economy, and he wants it to be organized. <clears throat> Third key, a biblical foundation. The church should operate biblically. How do we determine our theology, which is the study of God. How do, we, how do we discover doctrine, the practices of living as people who pursue God? We get it from Scripture. We believe, as I said earlier, Scripture is infallible. It's inerrant. It's eternal. It's complete. It's theonoustos, the breath of God to us. It tells us everything that we need to know. So we have purpose, organization, and a biblical foundation. And the fourth one is the church should have godly, gifted leadership. John Maxwell, who is one of the most renowned people on the planet when it comes to leadership, he's been doing it for 40 years, he says everything rises and falls on leadership. And, 
And when you read God's Bible from beginning to end, you, you learn what happens when you have good leadership and what happens when you have bad leadership. You, you see the failures that come because of poor leadership. You see the successes that happen because of solid, good leadership. When you read the Bible, you read of people like Noah and Abraham and Joseph and Moses and David and Peter and John and Paul. And none of these guys are perfect, but they were great leaders who loved God and the purposes of God. And so it's important that a church is led by great leaders. Now, these men that I just mentioned, they changed the world around them because they were in the game with God. And so in the Bible, I want you to know there are only two leadership positions ordained in Scripture in the New Testament. Only two. Pastors, also known as elders, also, learn, also known as bishops. <laughs> By the way, I joked about that in James. People, I can't tell you how many people now joke around and say, hey, Bishop Joel, okay, it's kind of funny, okay? So pastors, elders, bishops, shepherds, teachers, and leaders. In the Bible, same word. They're different words, but they're interchangeable words. And deacons, diakonos, servants, and that's it. And I think I'm going to have to quit right there. Because I want you to get the positions in the church. I want you to understand the leadership in the church, why it's important. I want you to understand how we operate. Now, I'll close with this. I said earlier that we don't know, we know what the birthday is. We don't know what the departure date is. We, we just don't know. What we do know is that it's going to happen. And what's important is twofold that you and I know how we land, what part we play in that equation. Are we part of the ecclesia, the church? Or are we on the outside and we just think we're on the inside? And number two, all of us have a circle or a sphere of influence. You've got family, friends, neighbors, people you work with, people on your teams, people that you run into every single day, and you don't know how they play into this picture. And so if, here's how we know. If we're truly part of the church, then we are going to align with the purpose of the church. And that's to love God, love others, and tell people about Jesus. And so maybe if you look at your track record, your life, you may say you love people. You may say you love God. But if you've never, ever encouraged anybody to know the God that you say you know, it might be that you're not part of the church at all. Now, that's, those are hard, that's a hard word. But Jesus told us to go into all the world 
and share the gospel. And your world begins in your circle. And I believe God wants to do a beautiful thing, more beautiful than he's already done on this hill at 904 Dry Gap Pike. And you can look to your left, your right, behind you, in front of you, and you see empty seats in this early service. I want to encourage you, challenge you, motivate you to invite people to church. It's the beginning. It's tier one. It's stage one of the Great Commission is simply going out and compelling people to come to church. How do you do that? You invite. Well, I have, and they said no. You give them an incentive. You say, listen, I want you to join us for lunch after church or breakfast. I'm going to come pick you up. I want you to go to church, okay? Not to hear the preacher, but to hear from the Holy Spirit of God. And maybe on this day you realize, maybe I'm not part of the ecclesia at all. Maybe I've been saying that I am, but I want to be. If you want to be, it's because the Holy Spirit has invited you to join his family. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the day. I thank you for the opportunity to share about the church. I thank you for your glorious church. I thank you that it's not glorious because I'm in it. It's glorious because it's built on you and your sacrifice. I thank you, though, God, that in your glorious church, you've somehow seen fit to include me in, that, in the dimensions of what that is, in that complexion, in that personality. You've written me in there, and I'm thankful for that. God, it's my prayer today, as it is every day, that if there's someone here, someone who watches today's service online, that if they're not in the family of God, in the bride and the body of Jesus, that this would be the day, God, that your Holy Spirit would reach deep into their soul and invite them to something greater, and that you would bind the enemy from their heart and give them the ability to receive your grace gift that they would be in your forever family I thank you for this early service I thank you for those who are here on this very morning God I pray that they will leave encouraged and they'll know more about how amazing it is to be a part of your glorious church but also pray God that you will begin to burn within them a desire to reach out into their circle into their world and invite people to come where they can hear of your great love. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope that God spoke to you through this message. If you enjoyed the message, be sure to subscribe to our weekly podcast and visit our website at sturkey.church to find all the latest information and upcoming events. Be sure to join us again next week. Until then, may God bless you.